I believe with all of my heart that each and every one of us have been created for a specific purpose in life. That we didn't just show up here, we didn't just arrive here, but that there really is something that only you can do. Now what we've got to come to is come to a place of understanding that we have to make our life count. Day in and day out, it's up to us whether or not we choose to make our life count. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking in the Word of God at how that we go about, and it's a journey, it's not a one-deal one thing, it is not a destination that you arrive at, it is a journey of life that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. So I want you to take your Bibles today and go to the book of Acts, the second chapter, and as you're doing that, let me say hello to the campuses. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. Whatever campus you're at today, we're glad you're there. We're thankful for what God has already done in that service and what He is getting ready to do as we go in the Word of God together today. The book of Acts is, is where we're going to be actually the entire series. So if you have your Bible or your iPad or whatever you've got, I've got both up here just to be sure. The book of Acts, the second chapter, is the place where we find the, the kingdom of God encroaching upon mankind and, and, the, and really the church coming into existence. Uh, the, the book of Acts is a wonderful book. I, I love all the books of the Bible, but there's something to me special about the book of Acts, and, and that is uh, it's the inauguration of the church. It's, it's the first about 30 or so years of the church, and it tells us what the church ought to be like. As you read the book of Acts, what you find is, is that you find that living for God ought to be exciting. Amen? It ought to be something that we just are so pumped about. And, and yet, what I find is, is that a lot of us haven't learned how to live that overcoming life that Jesus has for us. Now, the book of Acts, the second chapter, I'm going to begin in verse 36 and read through verse 41. Here's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to be talking about making your life count that you've got to be pursuing God. Day in and day out, you have to pursue. It's, it's not a one-time thing. Uh, it's not something you just do. If you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Christ or you're watching today, I, I want to tell you, you've got to pursue Him uh, and to, to move into relationship with Him. If you're in a relationship, uh, it's like any relationship. You've got to continue to pursue after Him on a daily basis. Now, here's what it says beginning in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart, or they were convicted, and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Verse 41, those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, here's the setting that I just read to you. The Bible lets us know that in the book of Acts, the first chapter, Jesus meeting with the disciples and others on the Mount of Ascension said to them, go and wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. 
we find that in Acts, the second chapter, the Bible says uh, that on the day of Pentecost, now Pentecost was not a denomination. Pentecost was a celebration. It was a feast that followed 50 days after Passover or 50 days after Easter in, in our mindset. And, and so it was, a, it was a celebration of first fruits. It was a celebration of joy. Uh, it was a party. Amen. Some of you need to party. Not the old way, but the new way. All right. Uh, some of you need to understand living for Jesus is fun. It's exciting. It's okay to have a good time and live for Jesus. And so that's what Pentecost was about. It was, it was about coming together, and they came, the Bible says, uh, from all over the then-known world to Jerusalem. And as they are there, Acts chapter 2 says, And on the day of Pentecost, suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they began to speak with tongues and magnify God. And then the Bible says, And it was noised abroad. In other words, when this happening took place uh, in this upper room, in this place, it began, I mean, people who were outside said, man, what is that? And then somebody else told somebody else. And before you know it, the entire city of Jerusalem has heard there is something happening. Man, there's fire, there's wind. I mean, well, you know, you'd want to go to that, wouldn't you? And they're, they're talking in our own language. They're speaking things. And, and so the Bible says that there was a crowd that gathered together. And when they gathered, they, they began to make fun of them. Some people said, well, they're drunk. Now, I love what the Apostle Peter said. He didn't say, we're not drunk. Right. Now, some of you read that and said, that's what he said. No, he didn't. He said, we're not drunk as you think we are. You ever been around drunk people? Come on. Drunk person has no inhibitions, do they? I mean, they, they're going to have a good time if nobody's having a good time. I'm not encouraging that. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So don't misquote me, all right? But, but they, they were in such a place. And in fact, uh, the, the Apostle Peter begins to preach about Jesus Christ. He said, these are not drunk like you think they are. He said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days, says the Lord. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. As long as you're seeing a vision, you're not an old man. So I'm having visions. And upon my servants and my handmaidens, I will pour out my spirit, says the Lord. And in this moment, they begin to become convicted. And, and they, then he begins to talk to them about Jesus. This Jesus whom you crucified. This one who came as Messiah. And as he began to talk about that, things begin to happen. And you know what? In our lives, when we come to the realization of hearing about Jesus Christ and what he has done on our behalf, it does something to us. When we understand that the manifest Son of God came to this earth, that the one who was the only begotten Son, the Scripture says, of God came to this earth, and He did not come so that you and I could be condemned, the Word of God says that He came so that we could be saved, so that our lives could be transformed. Now, I want you to know, there might be somebody who loves you a lot, but I don't know anybody who loves you the way Jesus loves you. I don't know anybody who, who cares about your life the way Jesus cares about your life. And, and so as, as you begin to study that, what you find is, is that the God of creation now moves into the creation. 
He moves, he becomes a created one. The, 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 the Son of God comes to earth and he is born of a virgin. He lives 33 and a half years upon this earth. I mean, think about that. Think, think about Jesus Christ coming to this earth for you. He came so that you could be saved. And then the Bible says that at 33 and a half years of age, that he gets brought before the Sanhedrin. He gets brought before the courts. He gets brought before all uh, the leaders of the land. And they begin to accuse him falsely. Some of them begin to say all kind of manner of things against him. And the Word of God lets us know that he is beaten that his beard is plucked out, that they place a crown of thorn upon his head and they beat it down into his skull, uh, that they literally beat him within an, inch, within an inch of his life, that they used a cat of nine tails, which was a whip that had nine different strings in it, and in each of those uh, leather strings there was a, bits of pottery and bits of glass, and they would bring that down across Jesus' back. And they would turn the handle as the, the bits of pottery and glass bit into Jesus' back. And then they would rip out literally hunks of his back. And you say, Pastor, why are you telling us that? Because you need to understand that your sins nailed Jesus to the cross. You need to know today that it wasn't somebody. You say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I understand that. I'm a good neighbor. I'm a good worker. I'm a good, good person. I understand that but you're still a sinner. We, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nobody that escapes that. All of us. All of us are guilty of sin. And so if I'm going to come into relationship with Jesus Christ, or if I'm going to live day in and day out in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I've got to pursue Him. I've got to go after Him. I've got to move forward in that. And the Word of God says that they took Him and they nailed Him to a cross. And that he hung, suspended between heaven and earth. And in those moments, as he is gasping for breath, because you see, crucifixion doesn't kill you because of the loss of blood. Crucifixion kills you because you suffocate to death. Your body compresses upon itself and your diaphragm compresses down and you can't breathe. And it's in those moments where you read where Jesus, he would literally pull himself up by the nails in his hands. And he would push himself up by the nails in his feet in extreme agony. And in those moments is when he would say such things as, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Jesus did that so that you and I could be saved. And so as Peter preaches this sermon to this congregation, as he tells them that that day, the Word of God says that they were convicted in their heart. You see, if you really want to pursue the Lord, it doesn't matter if you're not saved today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you've been saved for a long time. There are some things that you have to do day in and day out of your life. Number one is found in verse 36. Here's what it says. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Number one is this, is that you've got to know that Jesus died for you. Not that he died for your neighbor, not that he died for mom or dad or somebody that's sitting next to you or, or somebody uh, that you know, that he died for you. Amen. You know what? It's my sins that nailed him to the cross. 
It's not somebody, I can't can't point across the congregation or, or say, no, 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 my sins nailed Jesus to the cross. But here's what's so wonderful is that Jesus loves me so much that he was willing to go to the cross. So when I know, listen, have you ever taken just a couple of moments of time just to think about his love for you? I mean, have you ever stopped and said, you know what, I know Jesus loves me you remember the little song we used to sing growing up jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so little ones to him belong they are weak but he is strong yes jesus loves me do you believe that today Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he paid the penalty? Listen, the the Word of God says the wages of sin is death. You and I deserve death. We deserve destruction. We deserve hell. We don't hear a lot about hell anymore, but I deserve to go to hell. Don't look so holy at me. You do too. Now, I've had people to tell me to. I've had a few Christians tell me that, but, or they said they were. Uh, but I deserve to go to hell. But Jesus Christ died for my sins. He paid the price that I could not pay. And, and so I, I've got to come to that place of understanding that Jesus died for me, for what I've done. It's by His mercy that I'm saved. The Bible says this about the mercies of God. It says that the mercies of God are new every morning. Now what's mercy? Here's what mercy is. Mercy is not giving me what I deserve. That's mercy. I deserve punishment. I deserve death. I deserve hell. But Jesus said, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. My mercy is new every morning. Every every morning when I get up, I'm not going to get what I deserve from yesterday. Boy, that ought to set some of you free. His mercy is new every morning when I get up. I'm not going to receive any condemnation because there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but walk after the Spirit. Mercy. It's the mercy of God. So I've I've got to understand Jesus died for me. But secondly, look at verse 37. The second thing is, the Bible says, when the people heard this, they were cut to their heart, or they were convicted, and said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we do? The, The second thing that's got to happen, if I'm going to pursue the Lord, if I'm really going to make my life count, is I've got to be convicted of my sins. Listen, as long as you're celebrating your sin... You can't ever get free from your sin. We, we live in a nation that loves to celebrate sin. We, we celebrate all kind of ungodliness, and, and we have sanctified it, and we have called evil good and good evil. We, we, we've said it's okay that, that we don't want to kill a whale, but it's okay to kill a baby. Um, we, we're calling evil good and good evil. We've said we don't want to judge anybody, 
But if you dare take a stand against anything, you're going to be judged. And, and so we, we play this thing all the time. And, and what we've got to understand is, is that sin is sin, God is God, and justice is going to be met somewhere. Now, I'm not called to be anybody's judge, thank God, because I judge the wrong people the wrong way. And I'd let some people get off just because, you know, they slipped me a 20 or something. No, I'm kidding. Come on. Some of y'all were getting way too deep there. I had to break it. Uh, you, you know, the, the, the judgment of God is not up to me. All that's up to me is to preach the Word of God, to say what God says about sin, to talk about what God says is evil and wrong. And, and so the, the second thing we've got to do is we've got to be convicted of our sins. If, if you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ today, you need to understand that your sins are wrong. Now, let me go one step further. If you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, your sins are too. Well, I'm a Christian. I don't sin. Really? You just did. You lied. Now, here's, remember I talked about mercy a while ago? That mercy is not getting what I deserve. There's a twin sister to mercy called grace. Here's what grace is. Grace is receiving what I don't deserve. Don't get mixed up. Mercy is not receiving what I deserve, which is judgment and suffering and all this. Grace is receiving what I don't deserve, which is the power of God, the presence of God, the anointing of God in my life. That's what it's all about. And so what we have to come to is that we have to come to that place where we are convicted of our sins, whether we are walking in a relationship or not today, and then we have to say, you know what, I've got to come to that place where verse 37, the latter part this says, they, they cry and says, brothers, what shall we do? The third thing you've got to do is you've got to be willing to respond. It's not enough just to hear the Word of God. You've got to be a doer of the Word of God. It's not enough just to say, well, I've sinned. It's not enough just to say, I'm a sinner. It's not enough to say, I'm a Christian, but, but i got some issues in my life. I've got to respond. Now, here's the, let me help you for a moment. Here's what is so missing in the body of Christ, is we have thought that grace was just something that we could slip around in, and that grace just covered everything. That's not what grace is about. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he comes back very strongly, and here's what he says. God forbid. We who are dead to sin, how shall we continue any longer in that sin? Now, you say, well, pastor, I got saved. Praise God. But I'm still struggling with some sins. Join the crowd. Join the crowd. And again, that one that tells you they aren't, they'll lie to you about something else. Join the crowd. Here's the deal. Is that area, in fact, think for just a moment. Think about that one area of your life that you can't seem to get a handle on. Now, you don't take 30 minutes to think about that. As soon as I said it, you knew what it was. I mean, it was that quick. Some of you, it's your temper. Some of it's you uh, can't quit talking when you ought to be listening. Some of you struggle with your sexuality. Some of you struggle with pornography. Some of you struggle with addiction to drugs. Some of you struggle with addictions. To other, there's all this stuff, and you thought about it. 
and you go, I don't know. I, 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 I try to do better. I try to do better. Here's the problem. Quit trying to do better. Go to the grace of God. Now watch. Here's what grace does. Grace gives you the empowerment to defeat the enemy. Well, let me ask you a question. I'm, and, you know, just, just look real holy for a moment. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever given that area of your life to God? Now, I know you ask him to forgive you all the time. I understand that. But have you ever gone to him and say, Lord, I have trouble. Lord, I am a liar. I have trouble telling the truth. And I am coming to you today, and I am asking you to sanctify that part of my life. Let truth be on the inward part of my life. And the next time you're tempted to lie, you run to grace, and you say, grace, empower me not to lie. Grace, empower me not to get on the internet again at midnight when everybody else is asleep. Grace, empower me not to flirt with that person that I know if I keep flirting with them, I'm going to wind up in a mess. Well, hallelujah. See, you got to be willing to respond. It's not enough to say, yeah, I got some sins, Pastor. I got some. No, no, no. I've got to respond. And say, Lord, I need your grace. I need your enablement. I need to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The fourth thing that you have to do is you've got to make a change. You've got to make a change. Now, if, if you're here today and you're not in relationship or you're watching me today and you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ, you've got to change your mind about your life. You've got to say, you know what? I need to be a Christian. I need to be in relationship with Jesus. I need today to confess him as my Lord and Savior. If you've already done that, then you've got to make some changes in your life. We cannot continue. I'll quote it again. We cannot continue in sin and just continue to ask for the grace of God to abound. Now it does. Thank God for that. And His mercy. I get up every morning. Thank you, Lord. Mercy. Some of y'all just need to wake up and go, mercy. It's not because you looked over. Nah, I ain't going there. <laughs> I'm stopping now because I'm already in trouble. Mercy. They didn't look that way even last night. Anyway. The, the, mm, help me, Jesus, get this track, train back on the track. See, in the, in, the, in the process of life, what we have to understand is that the mercy of God doesn't bring me judgment, but the grace of God brings me power. And when I bring those two together, that's how I live. That's how I pursue. That's how I'll make my life count is by doing that. Now, let me give you some real practical things just real quickly. Number one, if you want to do this, if you want to be that kind of a person, number one is you have to learn dependence on God. Quit trying to do it yourself. 
You know, that, that's, that's the way with salvation. So many people come to me and they say, you know, preacher, I'm going to come to that church one day. Everywhere I go, it, it seems like, I mean, I, Sherry and I went to the mall uh, yesterday, and as I'm walking out of Macy's, uh, I, I'm almost in my car, and this gal opens the door and, hey, are you Pastor Couples? I wanted to say, I'm not sure. You know, came running out in the parking lot, and a complete stranger hugged me, hugged Sherry. I have been watching a TV, you know, all this stuff. And, and, but you know what? He, here's the deal, is that, that all those things are out there, all those things happen. But, but what we have to understand, as we live life, you've got to understand, there are so many people who are saying, when I get my act together, I'm going to church. Or when I don't have to deal with this anymore, I'm going to get saved. No. You get saved in the midst of wherever you're at. You learn dependence. Okay, God, it's not me. It's not of myself. You're not saved by what you've done. You're saved by what Jesus did. The only thing you've got to do is to respond to the free gift of salvation. So I've got to learn dependence on God day in and day out. Lord, I'm depending on you. Secondly, I've got to establish godly priorities in my life. Day in and day, I, I've got to bring, listen, it's great to get saved. It's great to say, you know, God's grace. But, but God's wanting you to get some godly priorities in your life. You know, like prayer, like the Bible, like, can I just talk to you a second? Some of you think you can feed at the hog trough all week long and it not affect you. You're going to stink. Sorry. You can't hang out with the pigs and eat what the world's eating all week long, feast on the things of the devil all week long, and then expect, I'm sorry, then expect to come into the house of God and to lift holy hands without wrath and without doubting. It's not going to work. got to get some pride. So, some of you need to get some things out of your life. Some of you need to quit watching some things, quit listening to some things, quit going some places, quitting partaking of something. You just need to say, wait a minute, I am getting some godly priorities in my life. Well, I don't believe that matters. Really, the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's a pretty big word. I mean, that's the saying, look, this, this thing of, of salvation is free, but you and I need to be establishing godly priorities in our lives. Third thing we've got to do, third thing we need to do, is that we need to become a regular church attender. And yes, I said it on Sunday morning. Church does not need to be the 14th option of the day. I love Jesus, I just don't want to go to church. What Jesus loves is church. In fact, the Word of God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, I'm part of the cosmic body of Christ. Really? How's that working for you, Dr. Phil? I, I, I mean, we, we, we have all these things happening 
And, and the one thing that we miss, and, and the one thing that we see all the time, and, and, and the news media and every television show wants to make fun of preachers and wants to make fun of the church, but I want to tell you, the church was instituted by God. And it's changed, and it looks different than it did 2,000 years ago. I understand that. But it's still important for me to gather together with the body of Christ on a consistent basis. Why? Because there's where I'm trained. There's where I hear the Word of God. It's there that God shows up in ways that He doesn't show up other places. Why? You know what the Scripture says? It says where two or three of you agree. When you come in agreement, something happens. Then it says one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. What could happen this morning as you look around? That's not multiplication. That's logarithms, by the way. That means that three can put 100,000 to flight, four can put a million to flight. Think about what we do when we come together as the body of Christ. Think what happens when people drive up and down roads and see parking lots filled with people on Sunday morning. They may not be a believer. They may make fun. They may say all that they want to, but it is a witness of who you are when you show up in the house of God. We, we, we have to get these things in order. We have to bring these things back into our life. We have to get these priorities aligned. Pastor. How do I make my life count? I make my life count by pursuing God Almighty. I make my life count today by going after God. I make my life count if I'm not in relationship with Jesus. I make my life count today by before I leave the church house of asking Him to become my Lord and Savior. And then tomorrow... And next week, and next month, and next year, I continue the pursuing of God Almighty. That's what He's called us to do. That's what God wants for our lives. Jesus Christ loved you so much that He left heaven to come to earth so you could be saved. There's no greater gift that anybody has ever been given than that gift.